Good morning, people. That that took a second. Uh, it is Wednesday, August 3rd. This is episode 167 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on if you're a practitioner, how you can operationalize it in your day-to-day activities or kind of put it in the context of all the things that we deal with, right, uh, in a day-to-day basis. Or if you're looking to break in the industry at any point in your career journey, I guarantee you, you're going to be asked, how do you stay current in cybersecurity? And I'm telling you right now, this is not just a great answer, but it's not fluff, right? There, there's actually content and data points and information and actionable intel here that you can take advantage of and really help shape your understanding of what operating in the cybersecurity space is, who the players are, what are some of the key terminology. Long story short, there is wicked value here, regardless of whomever you are or wherever you are on your career journey. Now, I wanna say shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Right here, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Got a big update with Barricade for you guys later in the show. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. What would you do if that was the situation? You're actively dealing with a criminal organization that is punching you in the mouth repeatedly. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. Think of them as like a digital fire department and the fire is ransomware, right? You don't want to be figuring out who to call or what, you know, which fire department is the best one or what their rates are or how effective their staff are while your house is on fire, right? Be a little proactive. If you don't have a solution already, consider kind of a no obligation uh, phone call or, or meeting with Eric. Eric's been on the show many times. He guest hosts the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. You guys know him. He's very effective at what he does. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs or CEUs, people, it just somebody reached out to me yesterday and told me that they did not know that these counted for CPEs. Well, spoiler alert, they do. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So that stacks two and a half a week because there's five days in a week, 10 a month on average, right? Because there's four weeks in the month. Be sure to say what's up in chat, you know, hashtag team live at a minimum, hashtag team replay if you're watching on replay, where you're coming from, where you're going, what's going on. The network in chat right now, most chat, you guys know, it's, it's a very inclusive, very supportive community. I hear wins. I see wins every day on stream. Say what's up. Not just to engage from a networking capacity, which I strongly encourage you do, but so there is a forensically sound piece of evidence showing that you were here and consume this information. That way, the certification bodies can't push back and be like, oh, you weren't there. You're just you're just saying that, right? There's evidence. And you know, for my GRC people, evidence, evidence is a good thing when we're doing those audits, right? Better evidence, the better audit. Now, if you are live, love it. I see 93 of you on the Simply Cyber YouTube channel or LinkedIn. Uh, It probably, uh, I'm only pushing to Simply Cyber's YouTube and LinkedIn right now because I had some trouble launching the show this morning. I tried multiple times. um, So I just paired back all the different broadcast mediums that I was pushing to, hoping that that would resolve it, which it did. Um, So... If you are sitting there staring at Twitch waiting for me to start, I'm sorry, you are team replay today. 
Um, if you are team replay, definitely appreciate you catching. I know it can be hard for some people. Now, if you're on team replay, you have the benefit of being a time traveler and you can jump into the future of this broadcast, whether you're watching on video or listening on your audio podcast app of choice. When this promo card changes to news, we're off and running, but for about the first 90 seconds, I want to drink some of this delicious, freshly pressed French roast coffee and say good morning to you all, share some great news with you, see how everybody's doing, and then we'll get into the news. So good morning, everyone. Michelle Bergeron, good to see you. You're off today, but catching the Simply Cyber Daily Threat Briefing, great, great to hear it. Oh, man, love bushcrafting. I, I've never done it. Uh, I'm, I guess, more a fanboy, I guess we'd call it. Um, I, I watch the videos on YouTube. I think bushcrafting is awesome. I wish I had some land to do it. Hey, Shane Prevost, Zalia on YouTube. Good to see you, Matt McDaniel. Tony MBA, always in the chats. Love it. Justin Gold, a, 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 a standard, regular, contributing member, Justin Gold of the Simply Cyber community. Great to see you, Justin. Ms. Scott, good to see you, Jax. Hope everything's well with you. Fraud Dog in the house. Love it, love it, love it. Barbara Webb. Good stuff, guys. Hey, just as a couple show notes. Hey, Kimberly, good to see you. Matthew Ladas, good to see you. Just as a couple show notes, guys, it is August. I do teach, um, at, like in addition to everything else, I do teach at the Citadel uh, Military College, which does require me um, to, to physically go on campus. And that will be Tuesdays and Thursday mornings starting August 25th. So the Tuesday and Thursday broadcast of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing will adjust uh, probably to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Monday, Wednesday, Friday will be at 8 a.m. still. If you've been following us for, you know, we, this is episode 167. If you've been here for the long haul, you guys know um, I was teaching when I started this uh, daily threat briefing. So it's going to be very similar to that. I know it's disruptive to many people. Many people did not like it, uh, but it is a reality of what my schedule can dictate. And, you know, <laughs> shout out to the West Coast people because you guys get an extra two hours uh, before I go live. Justin Golds. Yep. Go back to school. BSEC. Good to see you. Mm. All right. All right. All right. I think that's it, guys. I did have to spend a few extra minutes this morning. The CISO series did not release the blog post associated with the video, uh, the audio today. So I had to, like, go scrape a bunch of stories. Uh, but I think we're good to go. Sit back, relax. I know, I know, Joel. Uh, no, well, no, George Strasberger. I am teaching. Uh, I teach to the um, South Carolina Citadel Cadet Corps. It's basically the undergrad staff, or staff. Jesus, I've been in corporate too long. It's the undergrad student body at the Citadel. It's a military school. Um, you know, so I, I teach uh, to to the undergrad students. But I do, you know, obviously, if you want to take my classes, um, I do have the GRC Analyst Masterclass. I am doing some coursework. I'm working on it for Threat Gen. Uh, I have some big plans um, that I just can't, I can't officially execute on because of contractual obligations. But um, whatever, just jump on the Discord, cyber, simply Cyber Discord server. A lot more open conversation there. Uh, I do want to remind everybody that we will be raffling off a license key for World of Haiku. Uh, World of Haiku is a cybersecurity game set in the near future. It teaches you Linux basic skills and pen testing basic skills. It's wicked fun. Been raffling them off all last week and this week. Guys, 
it's for hashtag uh, team replay also. I made a short video. Please watch it. It is like 30 seconds long. This is how you enter the raffle. If you want to enter the raffle to win the World of Haiku license key today on this stream, you will need to go to the Discord server. Exclamation point Discord and chat will show you. But I'm going to play a 30 second video that I literally recorded yesterday because I went back and watched chat and it's like 50 people trying to explain to, you know, 50 other people how to enroll, how to do it. And it was just a hot mess. So this is going to show you exactly where you click to enter. So just stay with this. And then as soon as this is over, we're going to start the news story. Hit the invite. You're in the Simply Cyber Discord. The giveaway channel. All right, hopefully you saw that. Um, you know, for those on audio, you couldn't really enter anyways unless you went to the Discord server. Um, that is how you enter. Click on that emote in the giveaway channel on the Simply Cyber Discord server. All right, let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Hey, Raymond, good to see you. It's Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. U.S. crypto firm hit by $190 million theft. Researchers said Tuesday that threat actors have stolen $190 million worth of coins from U.S. crypto firm Nomad. The heist targeted Nomad's bridge, which allows users to transfer tokens between blockchains. Hackers moved roughly half of the stolen coins to three crypto wallets and also moved a small portion of the loot to a mixer to hide the trail of transactions. Nomad touts itself as a security-first business which keeps users' funds safe. The company has notified law enforcement and is working with blockchain forensics experts to identify affected accounts and recover stolen funds. All right. Uh, you know, another day, <laughs> another crypto theft. Um you know guys it's it is what it is i'm i'm telling you it's wild west um thieves go where the money is and right now this area this ecosystem this 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 world if you will is so kind of fledgling and they're i mean they're not really inventing anything new as far as like protecting the data assets and stuff but the fact that the crypto has to be able to move in and out and the bad guys are able to take a criminal wallet basically and move the money into that bypassing any type of like integrity check or validity check obviously is the real problem here the real story um another 190 million dollar theft it went to three wallets in a mixer doesn't sound exactly like lazarus group but you know wouldn't be surprised if this is lazarus group right 190 million dollars that is a lot of money um you know so i don't know like it sucks it sucks so bad um Again, I'm not going to deal too much because it, it just literally is what it is. But a couple of things. One, there is a really great Dark Neck Diary story. I can't remember exactly which one, but it's about a younger guy who, um, you know, basically goes after. <clears throat> I think it's the one who does the Verizon sim ceiling, but they they take down, a, you know, some kind of altcoin um, vent, uh, player in the market. The, the, I've done, I stay kind of tangential to the crypto stuff because I find it a really interesting case study of the psychology of criminal behavior 
and the way in scams and fraud. I mean, this must be what it was like in the early 1900s when you know the stock market and the industrial boom and you know the business um, kind of Wall Street and all that stuff, which is scams and fraud and everything until things got regulated or settled down. But it makes me think of <clears throat> another. <clears throat> excuse me, another issue with this, and we saw this with uh, Luna Token and, um, oh Jesus, Celsius, right? And you don't have to know these different tokens. They're not entirely relevant to information security. But what ends up happening is like something like this could have a cascading effect. This is part of the reason this like crypto winter things happening right now. You know, Celsius uh, goes way down and then it ends up being that people that hold Celsius have invested heavily or staked heavily in Luna or the opposite. So because of the value of that going down, Luna gets pulled down, which pulls other things down. It has a very much cascading effect because there's a lot of, I don't want to call it um, incest going on, but there's a lot of like using this coin to stand up this coin to stand up this coin. And it's all a big freaking car, house of cards, right? Um, I'm telling you, this whole crypto thing, it's so, I wish I hadn't just removed my Charles Finfrock crypto sounder to make room for the KRS-One law enforcement one because this would be perfect. But long story short, if you're working for a company that is hedging by uh, using crypto or anything like that, the only way, this, this, is, this is cybersecurity, the only way to properly protect your crypto Right, if that's what you're doing, or if your company's staking it in, in order to like have like reserves in case they get ransomware or something, is to have your hardware wallet. If you do not, or or the keys. It, final thing: if you don't hold the keys, you don't own the crypto, right? So like, if you have money with Coinbase, Coinbase owns the money. You own like a voucher that says you own the money, and Coinbase issued you the marker, right? Coinbase owns the money, right? Coinbase could close their doors tomorrow and tell you to pound sand, and that's that's that. So anyways, crypto, be careful. <laughs> that's, that's the TLDR on that one. T-Mobile store owner busted running phone unlocking scheme. A former owner of a Californian T-Mobile retail store has been found guilty of running a $25 million phone unlocking scheme. Allegedly, 44-year-old Argishti Kudaverdian illegally accessed T-Mobile's internal systems between 2014 and 2019 to hack employee accounts and unlock customer cell phones. This enabled the phones to be sold on the black market. Kudaverdian promoted his unlocking services through sites like unlocks247.com, spam email, and various brokers. In 2017, T-Mobile terminated Kudaverdian's contract for suspicion of his malicious activities. However, he partnered with another T-Mobile store owner in Los Angeles to continue perpetrating the scheme. Gaverdian is scheduled for sentencing in October, where he could receive up to a total of 62 years in prison for committing wire fraud, money laundering, identity theft, and computer fraud. Wow. Okay, so a couple things. First of all, uh, this guy made $25 million. Um, insider threat, I do want to say, you know, scumbag. Not only was he... Um, you know, abusing his insider access, but he was phishing his coworkers and then logging in with their accounts uh, to unlock phones. That's a special kind of scum. I know he was doing it in order to avoid having like, hey, why is Cuda Verde logging in over and over and over? Why is he unlocking 30,000 phones this year? Uh, he was definitely doing it to kind of like spread, you know, kind of hide in the noise. Probably didn't think he was going to get caught. 
Um, I do want to point out that uh, the indictment points out a couple things he bought with the money. Uh, this guy, classic, classic low-level, um, you know, new-to-money criminal here. Land Rover, Ferrari 458, Mercedes-Benz S63 AMG, and a Rolex. This guy, this guy was rolling. What, what kind of, um, what is that? Is that? <laughs> man, how many cars do you need, man? Like, what is this for, like, going to the, get the groceries, driving the kids to school, weekend drive? Like, what do you, what do you dude, I mean, I get it, but it's such a, it's such a flex. Um, I'm not surprised. I will be curious to see how much time this dude gets uh, for going to jail. Because, um, he, I mean, he's breaking T-Mobile policy, obviously. And I guess you could argue, like, unlocking the phone sucks and everything, but it's not like a federal crime to unlock phones. Uh, the fact that he was fishing co-workers co, uh, co and accessing systems illegally, that right there unlocks the granddaddy crime, the Fraud and Computer Abuse Act, which has, like, been used forever. Well, since it came out in, like, 86 it's been used forever as like the law to, um, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a, a legal term. It's like when you, when you, like, when you find someone guilty of a crime, the law that they broke is the computer fraud and abuse act. There's a better word for it. I can't think of it right now, but anyways, it's how you, how you prosecute hackers. Maybe it's prosecute. It's how you prosecute hackers. Uh, and it has been forever. I will point out that the computer fraud and abuse act over the years has gotten more and more, um, limited in scope and um, ability to um, hold someone uh, accountable as having violated that law. But this one right here, this one seems pretty good um, as far as violating all those things, as far as accessing things you shouldn't be, um, you know, misrepresenting who you are, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess it just goes to show you that there are, um, if there's a market uh, for something people are gonna do it i don't know if this guy needed the money i mean there's a difference between like oh my i like i gotta pay my rent or i gotta feed my kids and oh i need a ferrari 458 there's the, i feel like those are two different circumstances or maybe this guy just got a taste of the good life and was like i'm leveling up baby i don't know i don't know all i know is i'm stunned that it took t-mobile this long to to find this guy right like you're unlocking thousands, tens of thousands of phones. Like that has to show up on some type of like, like uh, scatter chart as an outlier way the hell up here. I don't know. Whatever. EU missile maker denies breach, but confirms extortion attempt. What? European missile manufacturer <laughs> MBDA has refuted claims of a successful cyber attack on its infrastructure. However, MBDA clarified that bad actors have indeed acquired some of their data from an external drive used by the company's Italian division. Hacking group Andrastia claims to have hacked MBDA's network to steal 60 gigabytes of data, including info about employees, classified military projects, technical schematics, and contracts. Andrastia has leaked a sample of the data and demanded a ransom payment. However, MBDA claims none of the leaked data is sensitive or classified and say they will not pay the ransom. Instead, the company plans to work with law enforcement to take action against the hackers. Oh, get ready, Kimberly. What? All right, all right. So initially, initially I'm thinking that the story headline is so preposterous. 
definitely getting extorted for data exfil. No compromise here. Okay, so they definitely are saying that the um, source of attack or, or, you know, the way the compromise happened was an external hard drive. So dude left it in his Uber, lady left it in a plane, someone stole it straight up, like, you know, like walking in an elevator with the victim, and then like you chest pass them against the wall, steal their briefcase and boogie out of there, right? These are all different ways we can steal external hard drives. Here's my thing. One, here's my initial take on this, all right? If I was a defense contractor who made missiles, it's very important from a national security perspective and the integrity of my contracts, which is how I make cash money. Cash money, Randy. Straight cash, homie. It's how I make money, right? The If my network is getting compromised, if threat actors are operating in there, I know in the United States we see it probably more often than we should, but... In the European side, it probably is not good for uh, shareholder pricing, um, you know, future contracts, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I, I don't want to say deny, deny, accuse, but it's, you know, maybe it is true. Maybe they weren't breached. Maybe it was just a USB thumb drive that, you know, got lifted. But um, it's very, very much in their best interest, this, this missile maker, to not be compromised. Now, the data is out there. And they are having a pissing match with the criminals on whether or not they actually, uh, you know, broke into the network. Now, they're saying it didn't happen. They're not going to pay the extortion. They shouldn't have paid the extortion in the first place, even if the threat actors were like, you know, wearing their, you know, internal network infrastructure pants and being like, we're like, literally, we're wearing your pants right now. Okay. They're still not going to pay the extortion because you, you really shouldn't unless you absolutely have to. But it's not great. So. The, the spin that it is a thumb drive and an external hard drive, that's fine. Now, here's my, here's my other thought. You don't just stumble on to an external, external hard drive. You don't just stumble up on. Uh, you don't get in the Uber after somebody and you're like, oh, look at this. What is this? NAS device. Probably a QNAP device. Wah, wah. Right? So you don't typically do that. So it was probably a target. It was probably researched. It was probably... a not in a, a mission, but it was probably a mission, frankly, if you, if you if you give me some latitude with that term on getting this data. The fact that this data may have been on a thumb drive seems sus, right? Now, they are saying that it was not sensitive information, uh, and therefore it's not an issue. I, I don't know. But obviously, threat actors got some data, and they're trying to sell it. Um, so... I just, I guess I wanted to spend a minute talking about the implications of the value of the business and how a cybersecurity attack can change that value. Yeah, Fraud Dog brings up an, another interesting point not having encryption on your external hard drives. Carl, all day long, Carl's taking the USB drive that he got at the conference, sticking it in his machine. That's a separate issue, but then moving files on it. It's easy to move files from left to right. Um, you know, hot mess on fire. Point says MITRE's CVE database is missing vulns. A new report from Flashpoint reveals that almost one-third of the nearly 12,000 vulnerabilities it detected in the first half of 2022 were missed by MITRE's Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures database. Flashpoint also noted huge discrepancies in the severity and classification of vulnerabilities between its own VulnDB and those recorded in MITRE's CVE database and NIST's NVD database. 
Flashpoint also said the Common Vulnerability Scoring System overrates many vulnerabilities. The report indicates that 10.0 rated bugs account for over 51% of total vulns in each of the last 10 years. Flashpoint recommends organizations use more comprehensive vuln database sources and to prioritize remediation of vulnerabilities that have a public exploit, are remotely exploitable, and are easily patchable. Okay, a couple things. One, I missed a little bit of that story because I was texting with Charles Finfrock. I, I have a meeting with him at 8.30 this morning, which I'm not going to be able to make. Um, and I told him to get on stream with us and say hi. And maybe I, I, I can hopefully talk to him after that. <clears throat> okay, so here's the deal. Flashpoint, um, flexing a little bit here, saying that the MITRE CVE, which is kind of treated as the, you know, at least in the United States, is kind of like a go, like a, a you know, a respectable, um, trustworthy, high integrity Vuln database. Uh, doesn't have all of them. Flashpoint says that theirs does. Flashpoint, obviously, a for-profit business. MITRE, while for-profit, is more of a think tank. So there is a little bit of uh, conflicting objectives here uh, i do appreciate flashpoint saying um that you know maintaining that it is worth noting i typically like when i am looking at vulnerabilities personally as a practitioner so this is actually great this is going to be a great tip for practitioners okay or or maybe you do this yourself already when i am looking at vulnerabilities when i'm looking at miter cve or or, or uh, flashpoint vulndb or any of the vulnerability data sets here's the thing you don't start there. You're not like, oh, let me just go peruse the vulnerability data set, right? Unless maybe red team operators do, but but it doesn't work that way. And I'll tell you why. Think of the vulnerability database as a corpus of potential data, right? Like, Or not potential data, potential opportunities. It's just a data set. When you are a red team operator and you're doing the cyber kill chain and you do the recon, right? The step one of cyber kill chain is reconnaissance, right? So you find your targets, right? So it's this IP range. It's this, you know, Doha IP camera that we talked about yesterday, right? That had a, a vulnerability that got patched, okay? You scan your targets. You look. You find assets. You look at the assets. What listening services do they have? What operating system version do they have? What patches do they have? You do your recon, right? Now you know what your target looks like. And for the blue side, right? You're responsible. So you do a vulnerability scan of your network, basically to find shadow IT and get a current state of your existing network assets, right? Things on your network. Or you use Shodan and look at your external network uh, facing and see what services are listening. Whether blue or red, you're using the same techniques. That's the thing about blue and red. We use the same techniques, excuse me, techniques. Um, it's just for different kind of purposes, right? So once I find that I've got a Doha IP camera on my network and I'm like, hey, the hell is this, Carl? And he's like, oh, I needed to look at the loading dock. It's like, all right. And the business approves it. Okay, fine. Now I go to a vulnerability database and look, are there known vulnerabilities for this vendor's product? Is there known vulnerabilities for this version of the product, right? WordPress. WordPress is a great one. There's like WordPress 8, WordPress 7, 6, 6, 3, 5. You know, like there's all these different WordPresses. And depending on what instance, which plugins, which has their own vulnerabilities, right? You need to know. So you, my, my long and short of it is no, like even if MITRE CVE is missing some, 
Nobody is starting at a vulnerability database to begin their research. They start by analyzing what the hell they're, sorry, what the f they're looking at, and then they go to these databases. So the key takeaway here is be mindful that if you are doing research on existing vulnerabilities for tech that you're responsible for, whether you're trying to punch through it as a red team operator or you're trying to prevent getting punched through by a, as a blue team, make sure that you're being heterogeneous on where you're looking for your vulnerabilities. Typically, I Google, right? I Google my tech, do a hot IP webcam, and then I put space vulnerability. That's a great way to start, right? Also go to the vendor site if it's a legit vendor. They typically will release security advisories. Again, if you're going to a sync, if you are literally find a piece of tech on your network and then you go type in MITRE or cbe.mitre.org, I think that is it, and then you're searching there, you're doing yourself a disservice. But that's not how people operate. At least that's not how I operate as a practitioner. And I would recommend you don't either because this is true. You could um, you could be kneecapping yourself, all right? This is light spice. Light spice, okay. Now we like Who knew vulnerability management would get me all frothed up, okay? <laughs> Thank this week's episode sponsor, Hyas. Better production environment security starts with visibility. After all, how can you protect your most valuable asset if you don't know A, what's expected, and B, when something's happening that isn't expected? This is why Hyas Confront monitors traffic to alert you to anomalies, letting you address risks, threats, and changes while blocking infiltrations before they become successful attacks. Don't just react. Take your security back with Hyas. Visit Hyas.com. That's H-Y-A-S.com. All right. Thank you to uh, CISO Series. As, as, as you know, most of the time, it's a, it's a pretty seamless operation for me. Occasionally, like today, I have to grab the stories myself, but whatever. First world problems. I want to take a minute and thank everybody uh, for being here. Special little announcement um, to share with everyone. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. I, I genuinely appreciate it. Barricade Cyber Solutions. I spoke with Eric yesterday. Um, Barricade has decided to extend their sponsorship. Uh, we had agreed on a six-month sponsorship. Um, Eric really, you know, appreciates what the channel's doing and, and what we're doing for the community. And he uh, and the Barricade people agreed they would like to renew for a six-month plus up. So Barricade Cyber Solutions will officially be the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing uh, sponsor uh, going forward through February of 2023. So thank you so much uh, for the support, Eric and the Barricade team. I know everybody in chat genuinely appreciates it. And I specifically, I appreciate it quite a bit as well. I also want to thank all of you um, as members of the Simply Cyber community. And I just want to point this out. I won't read this to everybody, okay? And I know, hold on, let me do this really quick. I know this is a little bit of a of a eye chart. But yesterday... Uh, if you recall, if you were here yesterday, we did a story on um, phone repair technicians and Samsung um, Samsung uh, offering a privacy mode, um, right? Or repair mode, right? You put the phone in repair mode. And I had made the straw man argument about creepy technicians. What was the motivation of this repair mode protecting your nudes? LOL. We had a good time in chat, right? I know you can't read this, but I would encourage you 
to go to that video on YouTube yesterday and just read these comments. Mr. Kaiser is the handle of this individual. He messaged me last night with a very lengthy response. He is a repair, uh, phone repair technician, and he got into the details of, um, you know, you know, not being a, like people aren't always creepy. Those things get rooted out. Um, it was not a contentious conversation. It was actually a very informative conversation. You could see I replied to him. I thanked him for his comments. I asked him some follow-up questions. He gave a very lengthy uh, follow-up response. Net-net, um, I just want to say I appreciate having intelligent discourse. Uh, it's, it's refreshing on a platform like YouTube and Discord, which is, it happens way more often there, but having intelligent discourse, not just like, F you and your views, or like, you suck. Like, like, yeah, that happens on YouTube, but like, it's nice having intelligent discourse and getting insight from individuals. I have not worked in a cell phone store, right? I don't know. So I'm basing this on the information I currently have. And this individual right here had better insight, better perspective, and he shared those views. And I just want to tell you, if you're interested, you may want to go check it out. It's like, whatever, a 45 second read, but it was really interesting. Final reminder that we are raffling off a World of Haiku license key here in about nine minutes. Auto pick in the Discord server on the giveaway channel for those who have hit the emote in order to enter. We are currently at 79 people and there's 175 in chat right now. So if you want to, um, <laughs> no, no, you can only enter once. Someone keeps like entering and removing their emote because they're trying to double in. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, if you want to enter for the license key, go to the Discord server, hit the emote. The bots will pick the winner in a few minutes and I will let everyone know. Let's, let's keep on ripping y'all. Top universities are falling short on email security. According to Proofpoint, 97% of the top 10 universities in the UK, the US, and Australia are failing to adequately protect students and staff from email threats. Proofpoint examined the institution's domain-based message authentication reporting and conformance, or DMARC, policies, which can help defend against email threats such as phishing and business email compromise. While not foolproof, DMARC helps ensure that only authorized senders can send messages from registered domains. Unfortunately, nearly all the universities had DMARC policies that were not securely configured or had no DMARC record at all. All right. Semiconductor. Okay, so a couple things here. One, proof point. Again, so obviously this is a motivated report. Uh, we talk about this all the time. Anytime you see like, oh, reports, find that you know, 97% of blah, 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 right? There's usually some type of vendor bend. There's some type of uh, financial uh, backing behind it right now. Again, I've said it on the channel and I, I stand by it until further notice. Proofpoint is an excellent email security web, um, web, an excellent email security gateway, okay? Um, they're not sponsored, I'm not affiliated. I've used it and it's good. They're pointing out 97% of universities, um, their, their email sucks, right? or email security. This is probably true. I worked in higher ed for six years. There's not a lot of money uh, in higher ed, e despite the fact that students are coming out like underwater up to their gills in uh, student debt. And professors, again, I also teach at a university, uh, professors get paid not well compared to uh, private sector market. 
you know, I could go, I could flip out about that, um, you know, at length with numbers. But that aside, for some reason, there isn't a lot of money. Someone's making all the money. I don't know where it's going right now, but it's not being invested heavily into email or into security, especially email security. Email is such a common attack vector. I don't think it's hyperbolic saying that like 80% of cyber attacks um, involve phishing at an early phase of the attack, whether it's spear phishing to get creds, whether it's just mass phishing uh, in order to, um, you know, trick someone to download or install something or get some type of initial compromise and then threat actors move laterally, whatever it is, phishes get into the network and get in front of Carl over and over and over again. So it's, it's a best, it's a, it's, it's, it's part of the standard playbook for threat actors, right? If the T-Mobile guy was phishing coworkers, right? That's how you get the access. Now the story talks about basically not using DMARC. Guys, if you are responsible, I'm looking at you BSEC. If you're responsible for email security at your business, whether or not you're a cybersecurity professional, maybe you're at matrix or you're just, you know, IT, which business thinks that you're also InfoSec. Uh, obviously, I have uh, contention with that. You should consider setting up, ready, DMARC, DKIM, and SPF, right? And I think I think if you implement SPF and DKIM, you get DMARC. It, it, it gets a little confusing, but like what, one of them, it's like you, can, like you cannot have, I think it's you cannot have DMARC without having SPF and DKIM. I think that's it. Uh, but long story short, it basically just makes the validity of the people sending you emails um, like author, not authorized, but like validated, right? So like spoofed emails, business email compromise type type emails. Thank you, Alfredo. Um, those those type of emails just don't come in anymore, or um, they get flagged as like potentially sus, right? I will tell you two things. One. It is one of those projects where you put it in place, right? It's a project, like let's say three months, depending on the size of your org, how many users, whether or not you're buying a third-party SaaS solution that your email roster, a million things, okay? But 90 days, you could stand this up if you had the budget and stuff like that and the time. You could stand this up and you're off and running. It does require a bit of ongoing maintenance. So don't think that you're off the hook for just cutting a check and um, you know yelling YOLO and going to the beach. You do, it does require a little bit of upkeep and maintenance because you will get situations where um, external domains like uh, are getting blocked or flagged, right? So say say you're using Salesforce to send newsletters out through your marketing department. Um, so it's not coming from the internal domain, but it looks like it's coming from at yourbusiness.com, but it's really coming from Salesforce. Same with Google Mail, right? Like there's a couple instances where it will require a bit of like finesse and massaging but I'm telling you, the value you get from setting it up initially and then having a little bit of ongoing maintenance um, is worth it <clears throat> in order to combat some of these common email attack vectors. So consider it um, DMARC, D-M-A-R-C. At a minimum, get familiar with what that is. If you get asked in an interview how to deal with phishing emails, Right. And obviously you can answer the obvious like security awareness for end users, um, you know, you know, email security gateway. Like you could say looking for fishes, whatever. Right. You could do all those things. But it, I'm telling you right now, if you. Say if you tell them, well, you know, why don't we use DMARC, DKIM and SPF and then 
Uh, we could do this, this, and this. Just an idea. But we should also do security awareness. Like, if you drop DMARC in an interview, like, it's going to look, the, the people interviewing you are going to look like the Memorex commercial from the 80s. And I know I'm dating myself. Google it, millennials. It's basically a guy sitting in a big recliner chair, and he's got a speaker in front of him because Memorex used to be a music company that made cool cassettes. And like they're just he's just getting like blown back, like just blasted back with with music. Right. And that's what I'm saying. If you're dropping this type of knowledge in an interview, you're probably, you might even be educating the person interviewing you. Uh, so get smart on that. It'll help you. Your manufacturer hit by ransomware. German power electronics manufacturer Semicron has disclosed that it was hit by a ransomware attack that partially encrypted the company's network. Semicron has production sites in eight countries, and its technology is used in 35% of wind turbines worldwide. The German Federal Office for Information Security alerted that the ransomware operators are blackmailing the company and threatening to leak the stolen data. A ransom note found on one of Semicron's encrypted systems indicates that attackers from the LV ransomware gang stole two terabytes worth of data. T-Mobile to... Sorry, guys, I was... Texting with Charles Finfuck again. Um, let's see. Yeah. I mean, again, I hate to say run of the mill ransomware attack, but you know, looks like they got ransomware, files encrypted, classic double extortion tactic, no problem. Um, hired an external party, right? Do you see this right here? This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm every, every morning when I talk about. Barricade cyber solutions and having someone to call. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> like they get punched in the mouth immediately. They're working with an external cybersecurity and forensic expert. Who, who is that? Well, it's a company like Barricade Cyber. Okay. I'm not saying it was Barricade Cyber. I'm just pointing out that this is where that service fits into the big picture of everything. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I guess whatever. It, I mean, I hate to say... It's such a, it's such a basic B story because I feel for Semicron, you know, it sucks. It sucks, right? I don't care if you're making, if you're like Stark Industries and you're making weapons of, uh, you know, for war, which, you know, I'm not saying it's good or bad. Or if you're making, you know, first aid kits, right? Like I'm trying to use the two ends of the extreme, right? You're making, you're making Furbies or Tickle Me Elmos or you're making... Uh, you know, semi-automatic weapons, it sucks. Like, you shouldn't have to fear being attacked by a ransomware threat actor, but unfortunately, that's the deal. And this story right here is so commonplace and so normal that it's not even, like, it's newsworthy in the fact that it's, like, it's another one. So hopefully it'll come out um, who attacked them. Hopefully they get their data back, uh, but kind of sucks. I mean, the, 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 the supply chain for chip makers and stuff is already jammed up. It doesn't help when a major player in that semiconductor space, which is part of that supply chain, uh, gets hit. I'm sure it's going to affect business operations. Like I say every day, guys, right? Like when you get ransomware and the ransom is for like, let's say a million bucks, that million dollars is not the only cost associated with it. You don't say it was a million dollar data breach. You have operational downtime. You have to hire that third-party cybersecurity forensics experts to come in. You have, you might have to replace systems and hardware. You might have to hire extra staff. You might have to hire external legal counsel. 
right? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, hidden costs associated with it. There's also the value of the data that was stolen, which is very difficult to um, evaluate. But like, let's say that, uh, you know, Semicron had some type of like new next gen chip, right? Now it's now it's out there. For data priority services to first responders. After analyzing many situations like the recent Uvalde, Texas school shooting, T-Mobile has developed a new data priority strategy for all first responders across the U.S. The carrier will offer first responders a free network upgrade to wireless priority service free of charge. This service includes a minimum of 512 kilobits per second network speed and access to service in areas where T-Mobile is unavailable. The announcement makes T-Mobile the only wireless carrier to add data priority in collaboration with CISA and DHS. Okay, I mean, this is a cool idea, but like, <laughs> here's the situation, guys. Like, my cousin is a paramedic. He's been a paramedic for, I don't know, 20 years. Um, He, after the, um, was it 9-11? I, he was he was at the um, the Boston Marathon Patriots Day um, terrorist attack. If you recall that, he actually worked that. He, he was working the marathon, and then he ended up working the the terrorist attack. But he has priority service. So I think the story here, and wait, you know, good on T-Mobile for like trying to monop uh, capitalize on this thing. He has priority service. He's had first responder priority service for years. I really think it was the Boston Marathon bombing. So he's had it for years. I think the story here is that T-Mobile is automatically doing it. Um, I think, you know, he has to opt into it. I think his 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 uh, company does it and pays the fees and all that. So T-Mobile is basically saying we're not going to uh, charge for this first responder thing. Um, whatever. I mean, the good news is I think that this is proper, right? I think first responders should have... Uh, wireless priority services because guys when 9-11 happened like telecoms froze because every single person within like a three mile block of the twin towers was trying to call someone to tell them that they were okay or someone was trying to call them to see if they were okay right people are, people are you know having to make horrible horrible decisions between burning or, or jumping and you know getting a chance to say goodbye it, you know, meant the world and they're unable to get through. Now they wouldn't get first responder status. But what I'm saying is as firefighters are trying to um, coordinate and paramedics are trying to coordinate and all this is trying to happen and it's all gridlock. This is a totally legit, um, uh, you know, uh, process improvement. Um, and if you want to like wicket nerd out and, and map it to a NIST control, I want to say it's like, what is it like SC7 or SC17 maybe my NIST folks will have to fact check me on this but there is a uh, control it kind of seems like an oddball one that sticks out on its own but it's alternative telecommunications uh, medium to be available uh, if main primary telecommunications go down this right here addresses that control and frankly if I was involved in a in a horrible horrible incident or my family I would want the paramedics and the police and fire <laughs> to be able to get to them ASAP. So good on T-Mobile and, and good on, you know, those those um, first responders. Thank you. Quantum encryption contender taken out in one hour.
Last month, NIST selected four post-quantum computing encryption algorithms to replace current algorithms like RSA and Diffie-Hellman, which are unable to withstand quantum attacks. NIST selected four additional post-quantum encryption candidates to potentially add to the list pending further testing. However, during the fourth round of testing, crypto researchers from KU Leuven developed an attack that breaks one of those candidates, called Psyche, S-I-K-E, in just one hour using a single traditional computer. Although experts are surprised at the simplicity of the attack that broke Psyche, there is no impact on the algorithms already selected by NIST as approved standards. Oh my god, and that, that sucks. That sucks. Okay, so first of all, um, you know, quantum computing, it's, it's right around the corner, uh, NIST is obviously busting their hump, the new AES that is quantum compliant. So whenever this, you know, con quote unquote contest is done, we're going to have a new major buzzword in our industry. Blowfish, Raindoll, AES, right? Like it's going to be one of those. It'll be a CISP question, I guarantee you, or answer. There will be a new buzzword in our industry, whatever algorithm wins. Now, I want to say that it was down to Final Four, and one of them gets punched in the mouth because, and I'm glad that they did this, somebody, some researcher was able to crack it using a single computer, right? Which, which shouldn't be possible, right? At the quantum, quantum computing, right? And I feel terrible for the David Zhao, professor at University of Waterloo, who's co-inventor of this algorithm, because basically, yeah, algorithm is trash now. Like it's not like you might as well stop working on the algorithm because it's not going to win and it's it's got a significant flaw. Now, I think maybe the only way is if they can go back and fix it, but if this is like a architectural underpinning um of the algorithm that that was the vulnerability then eh, sorry, you know. But I will say it looks like NIST is giving a $50,000 reward uh, if you're able to break uh, any of these encryption algorithms. So, you know, nice on NIST, again, for incentivizing security researchers beyond, um, oh, geez, beyond, um, you know, just just street cred, right? You got to pay the bills. You got to gotta feed, gotta feed the, uh, the researchers, right? So good on them. Stay tuned. Uh, I am looking forward to whatever the key... Uh, algorithm is. I might even do a little research to see what the three finalists' names are. Um, hold on one second, really quick. I, I'm just curious if it's in this story. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Um, oh, well. I was hoping for some cool names. Oh, here they are. Here they are. Here they are, guys. Psych isn't one of them. Psych isn't one of them. I don't know, but check this out. You're seeing it here first. Crystal Kyber. Crystal's Dilithium? Falcon and Sphinx Plus. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pulling for Falcon, right? Come on, Falcon. Crystals is probably going to win. I mean, obviously, it, there's two of them called Crystals, so they got a 50% chance of of winning. N nothing to do with the math. It's pure names. All right. Headlines, but if you missed last week's Super Cyber Friday. All right, so that's the news for today. Coming up on time. Let me see. Guys, reminder today, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on August 3rd, which is right now. Uh, so just a few hours from now, I will be going head-to-head -head live against Cyber Matt Lee, a.k.a. The Beard, uh, in the Red versus Blue Threat Gen Cybersecurity Simulation Platform. 
I have not been doing well recently. I think I've lost my last two matches. Um, I've been red in those matches. I haven't played blue in a while. But, or maybe not head-to-head, -head, I haven't played blue. But Cyber Matley, great guy, uh, member of the cybersecurity community, uh, great personality, smart dude. Uh, he'll be streaming on his channel. I will be streaming on Simply Cyber and ThreatGen's YouTube channel, which you can see the name of ThreatGen right above the red versus blue, so you can search for it. They will be shoutcasting it. Simon Lindstead from the UK and Clint Bow Dungeon from Deep Texas will be shoutcasting the match head to head. So please, uh, if you've got some time, if you're looking for some entertainment and some educational value, the turns are 60 seconds long, so I don't have a lot of time to explain my methodology. Or you can watch me try to explain my methodology and then get incredibly infuriated when my timer expires and I didn't make my turn, which happens more than it should. Uh, it will be good time. We definitely, uh, we definitely have fun over there. So go check out. Uh, if you go to YouTube.com/threatgen, you can get giddy up on that. So I'll see some of you at 11:30 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, let's talk about the world of the haiku winner, right? Sorry, guys. The the winner was selected. Congratulations, Alex S. I don't know if Chad already blew up about this and I missed it. 94 people entered. Alex S. is the winner. Alex, please connect with me on Discord or LinkedIn, and I can get you your license key. Remember, guys, I will be... Um, doing the raffle again tomorrow um doing the same discord uh drawing because it's fair for team replay hashtag team replay they're people too they they need some love and i want to make sure that they get that uh but team live can obviously enter uh you know world of haiku we will be having the ceo on tomorrow on live to talk about the platform gonna try to get some Raffle keys raffled off live on stream. So that's another way to do that. That will be a live on stream um, only. So, you know, go go for that. Guys, it's been great. You all are wonderful. We're doing it all together. Simply Cyber Community. It's something very, very special to behold. Have a great day, everybody. It's Wednesday, August 3rd. I'll be dropping the audio podcast uh, right after I get off the phone with Charles. Be good, everybody. And thanks so much. We'll see you. Bye.